Welcome to the Business of Cloud Native. I'm Emily O'Meara, your host, and today I'm chatting with Augusto Barros. Augusto, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. So, Augusto, could I just uh, have you introduce yourself, where you work, what you do, how you got to where you are? All right, perfect. So I'm the VP of Solutions with Securonics. Securonics builds what we call a cloud sim. Before Securonics, I was with Gartner. I spent kind of say about five, six years with Gartner covering the security space. And kind of while doing that, I was really kind of impressed with what Securonics was doing on the security monitoring and threat detection space. So I decided to join the company and I've been helping Securonics and setting up this corporate message and its direction and trying to explain to the rest of the world actually kind of why, what we do and why we're doing things the way that we do. Oh, this is fabulous. I didn't quite realize that that's what you did. We can talk about positioning, which is what I do. So yeah, tell me a little bit about, about Securonics. And when you say that you're sort of helping to communicate with the world, what exactly do you mean? And what bridge are you trying to get uh, to cross? Right. What Securonics does is what kind of we, in security, we call that a SIM, right? A security information and event management platform. And it is a type of solution that has been around for many years, but it has been evolving a lot, right? So they were built in that, that traditional software stack with a relational database in the, in, the, in the back end. And now we're looking at cloud-based, native cloud-based solutions based on big data architecture. And the for many kind of many people in the security operations world, it's still hard to understand how to properly use a SIM. It is, let's say, a complex solution, and normally kind of they require people in different disciplines within the security operations space to properly use a SIM. But those roles and those disciplines has also evolved. They have also evolved over time, right? So, for example, in in the past, right, you used to have a lot of people just keeping the SIM up and running. And today we're looking at cloud SIM. We're looking at SIM offered as SaaS. So now you don't need as many, as much people, right? As many people you needed before, right? To keep it up and running, as kind of you needed in the past. So making kind of let's say our our target audience, right, or our target kind of buyers to understand, right, that using a SIM today is very different from how they were using these type of tools in the past. And also that because of all these evolutions, we can solve problems that SIMs weren't able to solve in the past is something that it's part of my role with Securonics. And so I, because of my time with Gartner, I ended kind of talking to many people that will just call us and say, well, I have these challenges in threat detection and response. Right? Kind of what should I do? And we would learn about what all the vendors in this space would do and try to bridge that gap right, between what the buyers were looking for and what the vendors were providing. So that gave me, say, a very good perspective of understanding how to bridge that gap and I bring in that that, per, that perception and, and the, kind of all that visibility into kind of what we can offer and what uh, the security buyer is looking for and trying to bring that into security so we can really kind of bring, come to the market with this better message of how we can help organizations solve their security problems. So tell me a little bit more. How is using a SIM different in the cloud? What do you have to educate your buyers about? Right. Well, there are... A SIM- Normally, kind of when we, we used to talk about SIM, we would look at the three, three roles, right, to, to make the SIM work. Right? We'll say people that will run the SIM, people that will watch the SIM, right? So they essentially kind of just look at the alerts and kind of generate the reports from the tool. And then there was also a role related to adapt the SIM. The SIM 
is a solution that can do a lot of things. It is, I say, kind of normally kind of we say a broad coverage type of, of monitoring solution. You can write what the sim will look for into all the telemetry, all the data that you have. The vendor normally provides a lot of that content that you as a user can also write what you want the sim to alert on, on what types of reports it will generate. And kind of many organizations would not understand that they need those three roles. But first, you need to make, make sure that the sim is running. Then you need to get do have people that actually can receive those alerts and do something with them. And but you also need people that you keep that content, right? That kind of the, all those rules that, that used to be in the past. We used to have sims operating on very boolean type of rules. So if you see this, if you see that, then alert, right? But you have and you needed people to to maintain those rules, right? And maintain those rules. When you move to the cloud, we ended up kind of having a few opportunities to improve that that scenario. First, as I said, as, as I said before, you don't need as many people keeping the sim up and running. Right now, it's in the hands of the vendor. The vendor will keep that up and running for you. But it's not just kind of keeping servers up and running and patching software, kind of those things that are, we traditionally see as a benefit from a SaaS offering. But there's also the part of the design and architecture and also sizing of the solution. We used to see a lot of organizations being burned with the trying to properly size a SIM because it is a very complex process. You need to estimate how many log, how much logs your infrastructure generate, your applications will generate, how big those logs are, and then trying to build an infrastructure considering how much processing, how much storage kind of the SIM software will use to accommodate that. So that was a very painful process. Lots of organizations will would normally kind of under undersize their SIM or oversize it and spend a lot of money. With the cloud and kind of say the nature elasticity of cloud solutions, that ends up becoming kind of far more easier. And we also have another as a, a characteristic of the, the more modern products is that we are also seeing evolution on the license model. So we used to see SIM just charging by the volume of data that was ingested. So you, you generate more logs, you pay more. And with the cloud, the vendors now also have the opportunity to do that, that difference. Not all of them are doing it, but some vendors kind of have, let's say, different ways of charging their clients that are not entirely based on volume of data. So you give more freedom to the organizations to also ingest more data. They used to have to think about monitoring and saying, well, this data seems interesting, but it's just too much data. So I will not send to my SIM because I do not have the capacity. I do not have, that's going to make my license cost far more expensive. But now with the elasticity of the cloud, with different license models, they have far more freedom to decide what type of data they want to ingest and what to do with that data. I think that's one of the key benefits of running a SIM from the cloud. There are also other benefits that we can also mention, like kind of the leveraging the wisdom from the from the crowds, right? Kind of now I have multiple organizations running in exactly the same platform in a SaaS solution. So I can see which content, which rules, right, that will look for certain threats that are operating better across this, this community. And then I can kind of I can get that content and apply to the other organizations that are there. I can tune content that, that tuning will benefit automatically hundreds of organizations instead of having to do that in an individual manner. And would it be possible for a company to move to the cloud but still use a legacy type SIM solution? I would say possible it is, right? But it's painful. I think kind of another, another key advantage of running a SIM in the cloud is when you're moving to the cloud, it's usually better to have 
where you're ingesting the data from a security monitoring perspective closer to the sources because things will be faster, right? You're gonna have you won't have a delay, for example, of transferring data. You will eliminate points of kind of potential kind of things breaking, right? Because if you're transferring data through a, a link, right, kind of to your SIM on prem and that links go down, you're now essentially blind to what was happening in the cloud. But normally kind of for many of the cloud providers, you also have the cost of moving SIM out of that provider. So you may need to pay to get the data out of the cloud provider. So if the SIM is in there, you won't have to pay the cost of data transfer as well. So there are many advantages of having that in the cloud. I say from a technical perspective, there's really no challenge or no impediment of doing that on-prem. But it's just kind of more expensive, more complex, and more, I say, more brittle as well. It's kind of more subject to to interruptions or availability problems. So, what sort of business use cases can a company get out of out of a sim in the cloud that weren't weren't even possible in a legacy environment? Like the same sort of technology in the same category, also called a sim. But what more can you do in the cloud that just wasn't possible before? Right. Well. One of those will be you being able to quickly leverage that wisdom of the crowds that I mentioned, right? So if we start seeing emergent threat in a certain kind of part, part of our customer base, we can quickly identify that and move that content across the entire customer base. In the cloud, it's far easier to do that and faster as well. We may say, well, it's not something that it wasn't possible before, but it would require everyone to have enabled kind of all these channels of communication with the vendor in order to get that new content, right? With the cloud, we, we automatically have uh, that, ac- that access to, to expose or the, the new content for the clients. Another thing that I'll say it's new is due to the elasticity aspect of the cloud, you can really deal with big, say, business impacts in the organization that's in, before were very hard to handle with a SIM. So for example, merger and acquisition scenario. So you you have probably kind of 2,000 identities, right? 2,000 users in your organization, and then you just buy another company. Now you have 500 more. Right? For a traditional SIM, that was the perfect nightmare right? because it was already hard to do the sizing for one traditional organization. Now having to grow like that 50% or even 25% only, it was kind of very complex. With a cloud-based SIM, it's really just a matter of start sending the logs to your cloud SIM and that's it. So it makes you far more agile to to handle those situations. And also when you have businesses that have very seasonal characteristics in the volume of data that they are are dealing with or they're generating, that also kind of makes kind of possible for you to handle those scenarios. So if there's a campaign or sometimes things that kind of change legally in a certain jurisdiction that will require an organization to, for example, collect more data than they used to, to do in the past, well, now they can do that kind of very quickly because kind of they are all the sizing, buying infrastructure and so on will not be a challenge anymore. And how aware are our end users about these possibilities? I think there is, and I think that's, I would say, part of my work, right? Kind of it's making or improving this, this awareness. I think the there is a say, general understanding because of the, the cloud nature, right? I think, I would say many other offerings that are not just SIM, they're being a cloud-based, bring this same characteristics, right, of the scalability and elasticity. And I think people are naturally understanding more about that from cloud solutions. But at the same time, uh, on the SIM space, 
we've been seeing many vendors that have kind of really built a very strong position in the traditional software market, and they are moving those solutions to the cloud in a lift and shift manner. So they have been offering a lot of the same, the traditional SIM solutions kind of say from the cloud, quote unquote, but with all the challenges and limitations that you used to have on-prem. So that's a challenge for us when we're trying to make people understand why it's better to run SIM in the cloud, because many times they have seen SIMs running from the cloud, but not as a cloud native solution. So they're not impressed, right? They're saying, well, I'm seeing the same problems I had before, right? We had to, to bring kind of a bunch of new servers in and, and ingest more data. And I had to open a ticket with the vendor and wait for two weeks for them to enable the environment so I could collect that data. So for me, it's the same thing. Right? Uh, so we end up having two separate challenges here. First, making sure that they understand all these advantages of running from the cloud, but also understanding that just speaking a traditional SIM with all its limitations and kind of lift and shifting and running in, in VMs, right, in, in an EC2 environment, for example, in the AWS, is not the same thing as having a native SaaS solution that kind of can benefit from all the intrinsic kind of characteristics of a cloud. Uh, of a cloud environment. And do you think that there are any particular like verticals or segments of the market that tend to, A, tend to understand the value of, of having a SIM that runs in a cloud native manner and B, who can get the most value out of it? Right. I think kind of those that more naturally understand it are kind of that crop of organizations that kind of were born in the cloud, right? So they kind of, they just do not have an on-prem environment, right? They, they built everything that they use today in the cloud. And a lot of things that traditionally would be uh, installed on traditional servers by organizations, they are consuming already as SaaS services. So for them, it's very natural to just look at, look at the SIM and say, why not have another SaaS service that will offer that capability to us, right? So I think kind of those, and that's kind of where we see the kind of the, digital business type of organization. Right? They are very comfortable with that model and they normally they look first for solutions kind of that follow that model. And for them, kind of they end up also getting more benefit from it because all their data sources, uh, all the environment that will generate telemetry that the SIM needs to ingest are in the cloud. So having the SIM also in the cloud and many times in the same cloud and, and the cloud provider as well ends up making things very easy for them. Right? So for example, if you... If you have all your application running kind of in AWS and then you get a SIM that is also kind of offered kind of on AWS, they have a lot of advantages in terms of kind of paying, do not having to pay for data movement. And depending on the model that is being offered to them, they can even leverage sometimes the discounted prices that they manage to get from the provider by running components of the SIM in their our environments. That's, a, say, a somewhat new model. It's not kind of something that you're going to see being offered kind of by all the the cloud SIM vendors out there, but that's something that we're already doing. And we've been seeing a lot of interest by organizations that have very strong presence in some providers, like kind of keep using the same example, AWS, right? and seeing, well, you can really benefit from getting kind of a, some discount prices in that model. And then tell me a little bit about how Securonix has evolved, where the company started out, and then how you've expanded and sort of changed how you describe what you do. Right. At the, I said the story of the evolution of Securonix was actually kind of the, the reason why I, I chose Securonix as a, a SIM vendor to join while I was a, a Gartner. Right? Securonix started as a UBA uh, solution, right? what they call the user and entity behavior analytics 
solution. So they were building a solution that it would look into the behavior of users and it would apply a lot of machine learning and some other AI techniques to see what kind of the employees, right, or normally kind of the, the users within the organization were doing and try to find kind of a, say, malicious behavior. And the vendors that were building these solutions were normally running their solutions either on parallel with the SIM that was already in those organizations and their, and their customers, or they're running on top of the SIM, right? So they will get the data that was already being ingested by the SIM and use a subset of that data to run their models to find kind of the risky users or suspicious users kind of with, with those solutions. Over time, everyone kind of seen in this market started looking at this and saying, well, SIMs and UBA are doing the same thing, where they're ingesting data, they're normalizing it, applying some logic, and then spitting out alerts or, or kind of reports or something like that. So these two markets kind of just started to converge. And that's something that Securonics noticed very easy, very early in the game. So it was one of the few UBA vendors that became a SIM. I say, we saw the SIM vendors acquiring a lot of UBA vendors, the smaller UBA vendors or less successful UBA vendors, or trying to build their UBA capabilities from scratch. Right? So after three or four years, many of the UBA vendors kind of just vanished. They were either acquired or they tried to pivot to some other market because they were now competing against the bigger and more established SIM vendors. Securonics did that pivot very well in incorporating SIM capabilities. And just one year after it did that, it was already kind of uh, listed as a leader in the Magic Quadrant right? from, from, from Gartner. So that was a very successful move. And a couple of years after that, there was another change in this market where we started seeing the SIMs and uh, the SIM slash UBA solutions moving to offer a cloud solution. And that's where Securonics, again, let's say probably kind of two, two or three years ago, did a very smart move in, instead of trying the lift and shift approach that I mentioned, they rebuilt, Securance rebuilt kind of its platform as a native cloud solution. So after those, those two years, when, when you start looking at, started looking at the market, you will see only, I'll say, two or three vendors that had cloud native solution that could offer SIM and UBA that, that weren't suffering from those, those pain points kind of trying a lift and shift approach. So I think that's kind of where we are today. There are probably kind of a few other things kind of happen happening in the future. We've been talking a lot about what the market have been calling an extended detection and response that seems to be in a, a route of collision with SIM. We don't know if they're going to be incorporated by SIM or they're going to compete with SIM or then evolve into SIM. But from the Securonics journey, right, I can summarize into a UBA solution that became a SIM and then became a cloud native SIM and with all the characteristics to grow as a native SaaS solution. Thank you. That was a very good description of, of the evolution. And is, sort of speaking of analytics, I know that analytics is, is something that, that, that you focus on. How does one evaluate how successful their cloud security is? All right. That's, that's a great question. And that's something that I, I would hear quite often from clients uh, while I was a garden, right? Kind of the, the clients will call us and say, well, I'm seeing all these products here and all they talk about AI and machine learning, but how do I know which one is better, right? How can I verify all these claims? And one thing that we, we used to tell them was, well, do not try to compare things like the algorithms and all the machine learning techniques that they are claiming to use, right, under the hood. 
what you actually need to look at is what is the result, right? Kind of what are they being able to deliver in terms of detection capabilities that kind of uh, are either better, right, or or the same as kind of the other solutions are doing. And that would normally kind of point organizations to do a more structured POC or a pilot, for example, right? So they go through more elaborate kind of proof of concept uh, projects or sometimes bake-offs between two solutions that they decided to, to test together. And that will allow them to see if all those algorithms and kind of magic solutions that are in, in that black box will actually deliver what they are expecting. And many times, organizations that will go through this POC will find out that, well, I have this traditional SIM here with, certain, with some rules, and I have this vendor here with some kind of nice marketing words on their AI capabilities that is just delivering me a lot of false positives and things that are really kind of kind of takes me a lot, a lot of time to investigate and normally not that valuable. And it's actually not better than my old SIM. So what we end up saying is always do a POC, right? Do a comparison of kind of the results, what this solution is actually being able to deliver if possible. And some of our clients kind of actually did that. And they came back to us to tell us that we run a red team exercise, right? We run a simulation of of an attack, right, to see how these solutions were performing. And your solution was actually able to find certain steps that the attackers kind of mentioned for to us later that they never seen another solution kind of picking that before. Right. So that's I say kind of a very good example of a proof of concept where the client kind of run a simulation and they did look at the, the solution that they are testing to see how well they perform. Yeah. You asked about kind of kind of cloud security question in general. Let me stop here to see if I answer your question, if you want to go into another direction. Yeah, you, you you definitely started to answer my question. And I think that that what I'm taking away is that in order to evaluate a security product, you really need to run a, some sort of simulation because you can't say, and that, that's what I was trying to get at, was what is the outcome that you're trying to, that you're trying to evaluate? And you can't say this generated... 10 times more alerts, because that's not necessarily a a good thing. And so that's what I was trying to get at is just sort of what is the outcome and how do you evaluate? And it sounds like if I'm understanding the best way to evaluate it is with with some sort of proof of concept. But then if you're running in production, like how, how do you evaluate? Is my current solution good? How do you say like good, bad, thumbs up, thumbs down? Well, I think that there is the... I think for kind of first factor is kind of are we finding right kind of what we sh- what what we must find right so I think there is the first piece on, in terms of kind of okay, can we find the threats right or the, the the certain situations that we like to detect and the other is together with that kind of how much garbage you're generating together with it that's kind of what normally call the false positive so you're going to be measuring two things kind of are we finding what we should find and are we finding things that are kind of wrong right kind of are uh, things that we're spending time investigating and turn out to be nothing. There is a certain limitation of how much you can do on those two cases, right, without looking at production data. As these solutions had evolved and started using more machine learning-based techniques, it became even more important to test with production data. On, on these cases, really kind of what we end up seeing is more organizations doing a pilot than actually just doing a POC without production data. Because... In many cases, what you're going to do is profile the normal behavior of users or certain entities, and then you're going to start looking at cases where they start to show anomalies. So you may have an account right, in your cloud environment that is used kind of by an application, and then it suddenly starts to show a behavior of a user interactively 
uh, access in certain storage buckets, for example. So that's an anomaly in that behavior, and then you want to, to bring that up to be investigated. But you can only test that if you look at that normal behavior and you build that profile because you want to see how well the application is able to differ differentiate between the normal and that anomaly. So we end up seeing a lot of tasks actually using production data. This to a point where our own solution has something that we call the sandbox, right? And when you're building new content or new type of models that you want to, to identify certain type of behavior, you can enable them in the sandbox. So you're going to look at production data, but you won't generate production alerts. Right? So your operations team keep working without seeing what that new content is generating. And once you're comfortable that the content is producing the right alerts when necessary, not producing the wrong alerts kind of uh, and false positives, then you can turn that on. And you move that out of the sandbox and you start operating in, in production. So you see the doing that as a cloud solution makes things even easier, right? Because now if you want to do a POC, or you want to do a pilot, it's just a matter of uh, sometimes kind of creating a, a second funnel of data, right? Kind of like, for example, a second Kafka channel, if kind of someone's already collecting the data and throwing that into the solution that you want to test. And you can see that without having to put in any type of new infrastructure or anything to test. Another question related to this sort of metrics is how would one measure ROI on a security tool? Well, that's a very contentious topic, the, the ROI on security solutions. Some people will say that is the same as insurance, right? You do not measure ROI on insurance unless you're breached, right? So if you already have something in place and you want to replace it, right? So you have, for example, a traditional SIM and you want to migrate to a more modern SIM, kind of a cloud-based SIM, you can look at the operational cost of running it and see how you're going to save money with the new model, right? So you may have less people running the SIM because of the SaaS nature, the content may be better, so you spend less time investigating false positives. So you can actually measure that difference, how many resources you're saving from operating with that newer platform. Now, if you're looking at security monitoring tool and saying, what is the ROI of implementing this tool where I have nothing in place? I would say kind of a, it's very hard for you to get kind of a, a ROI measurement of that. You will have the, the metrics in terms of kind of what you're finding. You may try to do some analysis of, okay, what is the estimate or the average that an organization will kind of lose, right? During an event like this, right? Oh, if that would become a ransomware case, right? That kind of we didn't catch in time, right? And it would kind of cause disruption in the organization. Here's the average kind of that organizations like ours would normally kind of lose in this event and then try to consider that as part of the ROI of the tool. I think that these analyses are a bit of a stretch, right? Because there's a lot of assumptions there in terms of, oh, you will lose this amount of money. Everything that you saved was because of the solution that you are applying now. So I normally would be more careful in in proposing any type of ROI analysis like that. Yeah, I think this the, the ROI question is a really interesting one. Uh, and I know that it can be fairly, fairly contentious. Is there any misconceptions that you you tend to run into when you're talking to people about about sims about or about cloud native sims? And particularly as it as it relates also to to the the evolution from being a, a UBA to a, a sim? Yes, there are a few. I think I mentioned before the case of people uh, interpreting cloud SIM as a lift and shift SIM 
traditional sim running in the cloud, right? That's kind of something that is uh, very important for us to to be able to dispel, right? Because many times these people will look into the idea of running the sim from the cloud and they say, well, it's not worth it, right? Because I have my sim here on prem, I already kind of paid for the hardware. So why would I put that in, in the cloud? It's going to be more expensive because I have all these VMs running and it's essentially the same software. And they're not considering all those benefits that we already discussed. Right? So I think uh, dispelling this myth of cloud SIM being the same as running a traditional SIM in the cloud is extremely important. Another thing that it, we deal very frequently is the idea that the SIM is say, a node tool for security that doesn't have a role anymore in a modern organization or should be replaced by other threat detection and response solutions. And that's kind of where I go back to that. And I normally kind of bring up the analogy of the cars, right? Kind of, well, you can put together a, a Tesla and a Ford T from the 1920s and put one kind of beside the other and say, well, both are cars, right? But they are dramatically different. So when you're talking about a cloud sim today, we're talking about technology that was built with big data components. So we're talking about things that are using Kafka, all those very interesting AWS or Azure uh, offerings in the backends to make things kind of more flexible, more dynamic. And you are trying to compare, you're trying to understand the value of that type of solution, thinking about those old SIMs that have their fake clients running with kind of a relational database, right? Kind of running on a huge Oracle database. That's very different, right? Kind of not only in terms of what you can do, but in terms of kind of the limitations and how you can use those solutions. So there is, I say this, people that have been burnt by trying to run uh, sims that haven't evolved uh, properly over time. And they are just kind of, for example, trying to collect data from multiple cloud applications and put in one of those older sims. And those, that sim is just kind of blowing up, right? You cannot ingest the data. It's just too much data. So you cannot perform in an adequate manner, it cannot parse the data properly. Sometimes it cannot even collect the data because it doesn't have a collector that can connect to a REST API, for example. That's how the, the data from the cloud is normally available. So the dispelling this idea of this is a problem of SIM and showing this is a problem of certain SIM products that haven't evolved or kind of older versions of certain SIM products is something that is very important to do as well. And Maybe the last one, say kind of it's on the UBA idea, right? And this, and I think that happens kind of from threat detection in general, not only with SIM and UBA, but we saw that with the anti-malware solutions as well, is the, oh, we're going to replace all those static rules, or in the case of the antivirus, right, the, the signatures, and we're going to use ML, right? We're going to use AI everywhere. So any solution that uses a rule or a signature is obsolete. Not really. There are still certain things that are better done with rules. On SIM, for example, in other threat detection uh, solutions, we use a lot of threat intelligence that is just a really big blacklist of things that we know that are bad. And there's no point of using machine learning to look for things that we have a big list of kind of, kind of bad things, right? So let's just use a simple rule, a kind of simple match, right? A regular expression that can find those those indicators right of, of bad things as quick as possible we don't need machine learning for those so one important thing to understand kind of for sim or uba or in any other type of threat detection solution is you use the analytics that is better suited for your use case it doesn't using or having machine learning available 
doesn't mean that you're going to throw away all those rules, those signatures, and start using AI techniques for everything. It's just kind of a new set of tools that can be used for a different, for when the use case really makes kind of makes it makes sense to use the type of technology. Excellent. And can you just tell me a little bit about how you went from being a Gartner analyst to uh, going back in, in internally to a company? How and why? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was a very interesting movement, and I, I really enjoyed it. Kind of what I'm six months in now. And having a lot of fun with with Securonics. Before Gartner, I used to to work on say end user organizations like financial institutions, doing kind of security architecture, security operations. So I had a lot of experience on being on the consumer side for security solutions, then helping organizations that were kind of in the same role. And this is my first kind of attempt as as a solution vendor, right? So it, it is. I, I think out of all this background, not only as a Gartner analyst, but also as a consumer of this or a buyer of these types of solutions, has really given me a lot of good uh, background to look at what we are offering and saying, well, uh, how is this going to be perceived, right? Are we actually matching kind of how how the buyers are looking for kind of this type of solution, what uh, and their and their real needs? So I think kind of the kind of it is the right tool set for, for my my role now. And while I was a Gartner, there was this, my impression internally that said, well, I've been doing a lot of work on deploying things. I've been doing and using things. I've been doing a lot of work and helping people deploy and use things, but I never built things. Like kind of, kind of from the security solutions, I never been on the side that is actually building those things. And that's something that I wanted to do. And Securonics ended up being a very good opportunity to do that. Excellent. Anything else that you'd like to add? Yes, I think kind of the the scenario where we have today with organizations kind of with those cloud-first approaches, right, and and trying to quickly move to the cloud has been a very interesting scenario for for security. And a lot of things that were done in a very manual manner, just just the way it was received with all the DevOps things in general, right, kind of moving to programmatic things and uh, infrastructure as code. It it is really nice to see these things also kind of kind of uh, say leaking into the security space, right? And, and blending in the security. And we are now talking about detection as code, right? Looking at all the content that we're running on the sim and thinking, how can we do this in the same way as is happening with DevOps and infrastructure? How can we do that for security? So I, for organizations that are going through this journey now, right, of moving to the cloud and trying to adopt a more uh, modern approach of managing their, their IT environments, I think kind of looking at how they do security and how they can do that also in that modern manner, I think that's kind of probably kind of one of the most exciting challenges in security for the next kind of few years that we have in front of us. Cool. And where can listeners uh, connect with you or find out more? They can find more about Securonics at securonics.com. And you can find me on Twitter on A, P as in Peter, Barros. And you can also find me on A, Barros at securonics.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was a fabulous conversation. Thank you, Emily. It was a pleasure. Hi again, and thanks for listening to the Business of Cloud Native. This is Emily again. In case you didn't already know, I'm a positioning consultant who specializes in working with companies in the cloud native and open source ecosystem. If you are having trouble explaining what your company does, who it's best for, and even more importantly, if your prospects can't seem to understand what you do 
what value you provide, or whether or not they're even a right fit for your company, you might have a positioning problem. If you think you do, head on over to emilyomir.com to see if some of my positioning information can help and or if you might be interested in working together. Thank you and have a great day.